1: Welcome to Collier's International Second Quarter 2021 Investors Conference Call. Today's call is being recorded. Legal counsel requires us to advise that the discussion scheduled to take place today may contain forward-looking statements that involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties. Actual results may be materially different from any future results. Performance or achievements contemplated in the forward-looking statements. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to materially differ for those in the forward-looking statement is contained in the company's annual information form as filed with Canadian Securities Administrators and the company's annual report on Form 40F as filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded. Today is August 4, 2021. And at this time, for opening remarks and introductions, I would like to turn the call over to the Global Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Jay Hennick. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Thank you, uh, Operator. Good morning, and thanks for joining us for this second quarter conference call. I'm Jay Hennick, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the company, and with me today is Christian Mayer, Chief Financial Officer. As always, this call is being webcast and is available in the Investor Relations section of our website. A presentation slide deck is also available there to accompany today's call. As you know, earlier today, Collier's reported robust second quarter results with strong momentum across all service lines. During the quarter, both capital markets and leasing were up materially, versus the prior year. And when comparing the results to the same period in 2019, pre-pandemic, revenues from capital markets were also up materially, while leasing mostly recovered, although slightly still below the 2019 levels. Our outsourcing and advisory and investment management service lines posted strong, High teens internal growth versus the prior year. Investment management had another record breaking fundraising quarter, raising more than $2 billion and bringing total assets under management to more than $44 billion. And both Collier's Engineering and Design and Collier's Mortgage delivered excellent year over year performance as we continue to accelerate the growth of these business lines for the future.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please stand by. Your conference will resume momentarily. Please stand by. You
2: may proceed
3: apologize
1: for the
2: cutoff um, uh, uh, participants but earlier today is as, as I've already mentioned colliers reported robust second quarter results with strong momentum across all service lines during the quarter both capital markets and leasing were up materially versus the prior year and when we compare those results to the same period in 2019 which was pre-pandemic revenues from capital markets were also up materially this year while leasing mostly recovered although still slightly below 2019 levels our outsourcing and advisory and investment management service lines posted strong high teens internal growth versus the prior year investment management had another record-breaking fundraising quarter raising more than two billion dollars and bringing our total assets under management to more than $44 billion. And both Collier's engineering and design and Collier's mortgage delivered excellent year-over-year performance as we continue to accelerate growth of these service lines for the future. Based on our strong results today, we are again raising our full-year financial results. I was glad to see capital markets and leasing recover so nicely although they were obviously affected by the pandemic, as, as was the case for so many others, we should remember that these services are really essential services needed by our clients everywhere we do business. So ultimately, we would have expected them to recover as we are seeing now. Let's hope the recovery in leasing especially continues. Finally, after quarter end, as you'll hear from Christian, Collier's announced the private placement of a new series of senior notes, providing us with additional low cost, long-term debt capital, bringing our overall liquidity to more than a billion dollars. The bottom line is Collier's is a highly respected global company with excellent growth prospects and we keep getting stronger. We're highly diversified, by revenue, by client, by asset class and by geography. And we're more resilient than most with about 50% of our revenues and 54% of our EBITDA coming from stable, recurring and long duration service contracts. These fundamentals are very hard to beat. With our proven track record of more than 27 years, balanced and diversified business model, unique enterprising culture, and of course, significant inside ownership, Colliers is well positioned to continue to create exceptional value for shareholders for many years to come. Now let me turn things over to Christian for some comment, and then we'll open up things for questions. Christian?
4: Thank you, Jay. As announced earlier, Colliers reported robust second quarter financial results My comments follow the flow of the slides posted on the Investor Relations section of Colliers.com to accompany this call. Please note that the non-GAAP measures referenced on this call are as defined in the press release issued today. All references to revenue growth are expressed in local currency. Second quarter 2021 revenues were $946 million, up 64% relative to the prior year. Capital markets and leasing were up materially compared to the prior year's pandemic-impacted levels, and drove our 47% internal revenue growth rate for the quarter. The remainder of the growth came from the positive contribution of acquisitions completed in the past year. Compared to 2019 pre-pandemic peak levels, capital markets were up 34% internally, while leasing recovered to within 9% of 2019 levels. Q2 consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $137 million, more than double the $60 million reported one year ago, with margins at 14.4% versus 10.9% in the prior year quarter. Our margin benefited from the rebound of capital markets and leasing revenues, as mentioned, active operating cost management in light of the pandemic, and the favorable impact of acquisitions. Second quarter, America's region revenues were 583 million, up 84% over the prior year period. Capital markets revenues were up 141%, driven by strong debt origination revenues, as well as significant increases in industrial and multifamily sales transaction activity. Leasing revenues were up 72%, largely due to stronger industrial leasing activity across the region versus the prior year period. Office leasing activity has also started to pick up but remains well below pre-pandemic levels. Outsourcing advisory revenues were up 64%, driven by recent acquisitions and internal growth. Adjusted EBITDA was 79 million, more than triple the 24 million reported last year, with operating leverage from higher revenues, the impact of higher margin acquisitions, and reduced operating costs from measures implemented during the pandemic. EMEA's second quarter revenues were 159 million, up 45% from one year ago, with strong revenue increases in each service line, most notably in capital markets. Adjusted EBITDA for the region was 21 million relative to 6 million last year on higher revenues and cost savings from measures implemented due to the pandemic. Second quarter. Asia Pacific revenues were 154 million, up 38% to, relative to the prior year period, with all service lines reporting robust growth, particularly in Australia and New Zealand. Adjusted EBITDA was, was 21 million compared to 12 million last year, with the increase attributable to operating leverage and active cost management during the pandemic. Certain parts of Asia Pacific are experiencing a surge in COVID-19 variant cases, which led to further lockdowns during the quarter. We are mindful of the impact this could have on activity for the second half of 2021. Investment management revenues were 51 million, up 21% versus the prior year period, and reflected only recurring management fees as there was no carried interest reported in either period Assets under management were $45 billion a quarter end, up 25% from one year ago and reflected another record quarter of fundraising following on the record result achieved in the first quarter. Adjusted EBITDA for the quarter was $21 million up from $17 million generated in the prior year period. Operating cash flow for the first six months of 2021 was $19 million but adjusted for the non-recurring cash component of the long-term incentive arrangement settlement was $115 million relative to cash usage of $93 million in the first half of 2020. Cash flow was positively impacted by higher earnings and a reduction in working capital usage, primarily related to accrued compensation. Capital expenditures for the first half of the year were $33 million, a significant increase from the prior year, and reflected investments in facilities in several markets including certain markets where we deferred relocations and expansions during the pandemic for the full year 2021 we expect capex to be in the range of 65 to 75 million and about a third of this capex will be landlord funded leasehold improvements turning to our debt capital structure our net debt to pro forma adjusted ebitda was 0.9 times at june 30th a decrease of 0.1 times relative to year-end. At quarter-end and pro forma for our recently announced senior note issuance, we had over $1 billion of liquidity available to fund future acquisitions and ongoing operations. Our balance sheet is in a very strong position with low leverage, low borrowing rates, ample liquidity and laddered debt maturities extending to 2031 We are extremely well positioned to to make incremental investments in our business and continuing creating shareholder value for many years to come. As mentioned by Jay, we are again updating and increasing our financial outlook for the year 2021. A number of factors contributed to the increase, including the strong results for our second quarter. Going forward, we expect operating costs to increase during the second half of the year As support staffing levels return to normal and restrictions on travel and social gatherings ease around the world. Our updated outlook for revenue is an increase of 20 to 30 percent relative to 2020. And for adjusted EBITDA, we now expect an increase of 25 to 35 percent. We will reassess and update our outlook again after the third quarter. This outlook is subject to the risks and uncertainties outlined in the accompanying slides. It is also important to note that we have now passed the full year anniversaries of the significant acquisitions completed last year. And as a result, the growth embedded in the outlook going forward will largely be internal. Further, operating performance in the second half of last year improved relative to the early stages of the pandemic. And as, as such, we expect variances for the remainder of the year to be more modest. That concludes my prepared remarks, and I would now like to turn the call back to the operator for questions.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder to ask the question, you will need to press star then one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Again, that's star one to ask the question. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Frederick Baston with Raymond James. Your line is open.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
5: Good morning, gentlemen. Great results. Thanks, Brett. Um Jay, can you please discuss the factors that drove the uh, that drove the strong internal growth on the outsourcing and advisory side, and and just wondering if the strength uh, was broadly consistent across regions.
2: Um, you know, there was a little bit of M and A transactions in the growth in. Um, in outsourcing and advisory in this quarter, so there's a little bit of that, um, but otherwise it just continues to grow and, and be strong. And uh, there, you know, there's nothing really to point to other than uh, we ourselves were surprised at the uh, the extent of the growth in that in that particular biz- business
5: segment this quarter. Are you seeing so sort of the benefits of uh, maybe cross-selling uh, the services across your your platform?
2: Uh, well, cross-selling for sure is is an element. Uh, I think there was a lot of pent up demand in a lot of services. We're seeing we're seeing a lot of advisory services around re- return to work, uh, re re looking at existing infrastructure and offices and what changes we could be making to help um, uh, adjust for the new norm. Uh, so cross-selling, but I think um, more pent-up demand and, and alteration or potential alteration to the construct of,
4: of, of an office is is really driving some of that as well. And one other thing I'd add to that, cool. one, that uh, in Q2 of 20 we had a few delays on some of our project management assignments. Uh, in various parts of the world, so, you know, that's obviously all back to normal, and those contracts are proceeding, um, so, so that's part of the variance as well. Okay, that's helpful. Uh, while we got you, uh, Christian, can you used to quantify
5: the contribution of your uh, tuck-in acquisitions uh, to overall growth. Are you able to share the impact of M&A on both uh, capital markets and the uh, outsourcing advisory practice? No, I
4: mean, we, we, uh, we got the... Uh, um, uh, uh, internal growth rates for the on a consolidated basis, but uh, we're not going to get into the details around um, the growth rates by by service line. All
5: right, fair enough. Um, my last question: the the market for labor and professionals seems to be getting tighter and tighter by by the day. Has this slowed your ability to recruit to recruit and uh, retain talent?
2: Um, yeah it has for sure um, it has uh impacted us differently in different areas i would say in uh in property management not as much in brokerage uh i think uh or transaction services across the board were up uh versus last year nicely i think part of that is uh is our strong recruiting progr- uh, programs which are which are uh, firmly in place and continuing to gain momentum, uh, but I think in the in the new areas in engineering and design, um, uh, talent is critical. Uh, it's it's an ongoing battle uh, there. We've been successful, but it is it's all out uh, it's all out uh, uh, warfare there. And investment management also is another area where. Uh, it's an attractive area to work, but picking the right people is uh, is critical. so, um, but interestingly through the uh, through the past sort of eighteen months, uh, retention rates have been very high for us at Colliers. And I think that bodes well for our 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 unique culture that we talk about and a variety of other things. We just um, it, it, you know, it's not to your question, but it's current for us. We just completed our annual engagement survey across the board and our numbers were better than ever. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a metric that we use and, and have used deeply for many years to gauge the strength of our culture. And, um, it just seems to get stronger um, each year. So we're, we're, we're gratified by that.
5: Thank you for your comments. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open.
3: Uh, thank you. Good morning, guys.
2: Hey Steve. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Um i just wanted to uh just circle in around the americas here you have very strong uh, very strong growth there on the top line and i'm just curious if you can give a little bit of color around you know any any sort of geographic uh or regional strength you saw in the americas and sort of how things are shaping up um you know in into q three
4: yeah i Steve, you're right i mean the americas were were very uh um very strong in the uh in the quarter, I think uh, it was broad-based across the region. You know, Canada, U.S., uh, even LATAM uh, had, had strong uh, uh, performance year-over-year year there. Um, you know, certainly, we're benefiting from um, the uh, mortgage uh, business uh, and the uh, um, engineering business that was acquired, uh, last, the two businesses that were acquired last, uh, uh, early last summer. So, uh, I mean, those are uh, in the numbers in the current year quarter, but not in the comparative uh, quarter uh, period. Um, And mortgage uh, itself um, had a great uh, quarter, um, another, um, you know, strong uh, quarter for originations uh, in the multifamily uh, space. Uh, Also, refinancing uh, activity in the multifamily space continues to be strong. Um, so that uh, was a nice contribution uh, to the overall result um, you know as I outlined on my on my prepared remarks um, capital markets and leasing uh, were, were both uh, you know very strong uh, during the quarter um, you know capital markets um, you know more than double uh, leasing up up nicely especially in the industrial um, side of things uh, and obviously uh, still some work to do and, and, and some some rebound to, to occur um, in in office leasing, um, you know, as we look ahead uh, into future quarters. That's uh, that's great.
3: Um, and then you mentioned also in the prepared remarks some, um, you know, so I guess I don't know if you call it weakness around office. Um, or I guess sort of office leasing picking up, can you just talk a little bit about how that trend has evolved over the last couple quarters with with more, uh, you know, more, more gyrations around return to work and things like that?
4: Um, so office leasing um, has uh, been uh, significantly impacted, obviously, um, each quarter uh, over the past uh, year. Um, our, Uh, Leasing revenues have uh, rebounded, uh, as indicated in my prepared remarks. Um, You know, office leasing um, is a smaller component of our overall leasing revenues now uh, than it was, and and office leasing is still uh, around 29% below 2019 levels uh, at the current uh, stage. Um, And uh, we've increased, uh, in fact, uh, our industrial leasing activity over 2019 levels uh, resulting in overall office leasing uh, being, sorry, overall leasing being down nine percent relative to 2019 levels. So uh, you know things are uh, uh, improving. Um, and I, I think um, as we look ahead, um, you know we expect uh, that improvement to continue. You know,
2: the one thing I would add to that, uh, Steve, is that office leasing is anything but clear right now. And and I think that that applies virtually around the world. You're seeing leases uh, in offices. Some some firms are being very bold, but most are taking still a short-term approach. They're taking their time to understand how their offices should be reconfigured. They haven't finalized plans on return to work and what that means. Are they coming back in September in some markets? Are they insisting on, uh, on vaccine, vaccinations, uh, for everybody that comes back in the market? So, um, the office component is really still uncertain. Um, and, 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 and as you pr- probably remember, the, the, um, the, uh, revenues that we generate from office le- leasing compared to other leasing forms is generally higher. But as Christian said, we've always had a very strong industrial uh, uh leasing practice and so that's why our numbers are doing so well in terms of uh, uh leasing numbers are doing so well in terms of rebounding uh, but until the office market starts to come back uh with some clarity and certainty um you know it's still going to lag the capital market's piece of it
3: Okay, that's great, color. Thank you. Um, and then maybe just finally turning to the outlook. Um, you know, it looks like uh, looks like really the, the numbers, the you, you know your outlook increased on the back of the strong Q2. And I'm just worried, just curious if you can talk a little bit about sort of whether this momentum that you saw in Q2 is continuing into Q3 Q4. Maybe what your outlook is relative to uh, kind of back half of last year, where where you know organic revenues were rebounding but still down year over year.
4: So, Steve, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, the back half of, of last year uh, was a significant improvement over the, over Q two uh, of last year. So things improved uh, progressively um, through through twenty twenty, um, and, and that's certainly something we're we're cognizant of as we think about uh, our twenty twenty one back half, um, and, and those comparisons are to, are going to become uh, closer. Um, and, and also, we have also we've now lapped the anniversaries of our larger 2020 acquisitions. Um, so as I mentioned, that you know the earlier the uh, the growth in the second half will be uh, organic, um, primarily. And um, we also uh, you know la- last year had the mortgage uh, uh, Clares Mortgage uh, acquisition, um, which we completed in, in June. And uh, as you may remember, um, Clares Mortgage had. A record activity in the third and in particular the fourth quarter last year uh, with multifamily origination and also refinancing um, so, so those will make that will make for some tougher comparisons um, in the second half of 21 uh, as we look ahead
3: okay thanks uh, okay thank mm-hmm. you guys appreciate it
1: thank you our next question comes from the line of Scott Thompson with CIBC your line is open
6: Thank you, and good morning, gentlemen. So you mentioned discussions on the reimagining of office. (laughs) Uh, Just recognizing the high degree of curtain. Sorry, we can't hear you. Can you say that again? Sure. We can't hear you. Can you say it again? Can you hear me?
2: No. Okay. I'll, I'll hang up. Okay. Operator, can we have the next question until he re-engages?
1: Our next question comes from the line of Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Your line is open.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks. Um, just one for me. Um, on, on the commentary for operating costs to increase in the second half of the year, are you are you more or less assuming that you're going back to kind of a normalized operating environment, I guess meaning that the temporary cost savings in 2020 in areas like Travel and entertainment or are moving back to what you typically expect, and so be some normalization second half of this year and into the first half of 2021. Would that be the right way to think about it?
4: Well, uh, Stephen, we've been operating uh, with a very uh, you know disciplined approach uh, for the last year and a half uh, around the pandemic, and and we've taken support costs out of the uh, out of the business support staffing um, and uh, and also obviously the travel and and. Uh, meetings and and uh, um, events and stuff like that. Um, some of that activity um, is, is going to return um, in the back half of the year, uh, and, and that's um, you know included in in our outlook. Um, but certainly, uh, we don't expect the full um, amount of cost that we had prior to the pandemic to return. Um, as you may recall, we took about 145 million of cost. Out during 2020, and our expectation is that about 80% of those costs will return, and the balance um, will will not, and will result in uh, operating um, leverage and um, margin improvement um, in the future. So, so that's the we way we're thinking about it. Um, but uh, you know, through the first half of this year, uh, we continued to uh, to operate uh, in a very uh, disciplined and, and lean way, and uh, uh, we think that you know the way things are opening up. Uh, now that, that some of those costs will return in the second half. Makes sense. Thank you.
1: Thanks. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Our next question comes from a line of George Dumet with Scotia Bank. Your line is open.
7: Yeah, good morning, guys. Congrats on a, on a really strong quarter. Um, just maybe talk a little bit about the guidance. Um, it seems that the midpoint suggests flat year-over-year growth on EBITDA, I'm just wondering, to what extent does your guidance kind of assume that the office uh, lease levels, the things they're down 29% versus 2019? How much of that is how much of that guidance assumes that, that kind of normalizes uh, in the back half, or does not assume any of that?
4: So, so George, just to clarify, um, our year-over-year growth in EBITDA is in the 25 to 35% range. Um, you, you may have been referring to something else there.
7: Well, I was talking about the second half. I think it in terms of the second half, given the strong, the really strong first half number. it kind of imply I think it implies okay. the second half.
4: Yeah, I mean, um, we we had, uh, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, results were improving for us in the second half of 2020. Um, so the comparisons are, are going to become uh, closer um, in terms of our um, back half of, of this year. Um, We also have uh, had the benefit of uh, the the acquisitions um, that were completed during 2020, which have have, uh, caused uh, um, significant uh, growth in the first half of this year Um, because those acquisitions have now lapped. um, They'll be um, in both the prior year period and the current year period when you consider the back half of this year versus the back half of last year. also, you know, as I mentioned, the, the mortgage business um, had a very strong finish uh, last year with with record um, activity levels um, in in the in the back half of 2020. Um, we also expect um, operating costs to uh, return, um, as uh, as uh, um, the, the previous questioner was was just asking uh, about. Um, so, you know, there there is um, uh, there are a number of factors at play in terms of the um, the way we think about the, the outlook and, and, we certainly hope that we, um, you know, can achieve the upper end uh, of that range. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we want to maintain, um, you know, a, a, a range of outcomes here given the uncertainty that we still see in the market. And, and as we mentioned, there, there is some COVID-19, um, impacts, uh, still lingering, um, our Asia PAC business, um, uh, you know, there's some markets that are in lockdown. Uh, and, and it's uncertain what's going to happen and what what that will mean in terms of the uh, the transactional revenues that will occur uh, in the back half uh, of the year.
7: Okay, understanding. Christian, on that note, are you willing to share kind of the, the embedded assumption in there for, for office lease in the back half of the year, maybe relative to 19 or relative to last year at all?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we've got a, um, a, a range of... Uh, of assumptions there, obviously the revenue and the EBITDA guidance is a, is a relatively wide uh, band and at the higher end, you know, we, we would be coming, uh, I think, close uh, to 2019 levels for, for, for leasing as a whole. Um, and, uh, you know, it, yeah.
7: Okay, great, thanks for that. Um, and maybe, maybe a question to Jay, given the recent strength and the resiliency of the industrial segment, I'm just wondering to what extent uh, you'd want to be there maybe in a much bigger way than we are today.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't hear the last part of your question there.
7: Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm just wondering to what extent we would like to be in a much bigger, have a much bigger presence in the industrial segment than we do today. In the
2: industrial seg- segment? Yeah, like industrial. Um, leasing. Sorry, oh, go both- Oh, industrial leasing. Okay. Okay. Um, Look, I think we we have been picking up share market for market in all transaction services. So, um, you know, it's a difficult question to answer because market for market, we look at our gaps, we try and strengthen our, our, our areas of uh, of opportunity, and so you know, leasing of all segments is a, uh, is, a is a is a key part of our strategy. I would say, as I I alluded to earlier, Collier's has always been known for its strength in the industrial uh, side of the world. So leasing for us has been less effective. Um, And and so the opportunity was always expand our office leasing. uh, Office means CBD office triple. You know, a triple uh, high-quality central business district office leasing was a big opportunity for us. Obviously, it's it's impacted others, I think, a little bit more so than it has us, Uh, although we have, during uh, COVID, been very successful at recruiting some strong uh, CBD office leasing strength in a variety of major markets around the world. So we'll see as we come out of this, how uh, how we respond. but um, you know just a step back, uh, where I thought you were going is that the the diversification of our business is quite unique amongst our peers. We have now with our two uh, additional platforms um, uh, including uh, plus uh, investment management, a much wider and diverse, Business in so many ways. So um, the transaction side of our business, although critically important and highly profitable, and has made a name for Colliers globally around the world, um, is is a is a portion of our business that will continue to grow nicely. But I think you're going to see greater growth from those other areas uh, over the next year or two or longer. Okay, that's helpful, thanks. And just
0: one last one,
7: if I may. You know, very good growth in fundraising activity and investment management, AUM. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the momentum that you expect there as we kind of go into the second half and into next year? Or maybe maybe share with us some, some fundraising activity that's, that's latest for the, the year. Next.
2: Yeah, Harrison Street. Uh, Harrison Street, let's start with results. Harrison Street, over a long period of time, has delivered phenomenal results um, in every metric one, three, five years since inception. They've always been able to deliver in the top, um, I would say, quartile, the decile uh, in, in certain categories. They have focused on assets that are differentiated, you might call a little bit more complex. Um, and they manage them well, and as a result, they've delivered great returns for investors. And what's happening is, as people are looking to allocate their capital, this is a very interesting area for the, uh, for uh, for capital allocation. And I'm cautiously optimistic that the third quarter and the fourth quarter will be record fundraising quarters again. For uh, Harrison Street, we never know. I'm touching wood as I say this. You never know, um, but uh, there's lots of activity uh, both in fundraising and also in in um, in, in allocating those that capital to uh, to appropriate transactions, whether it's in North America or in Europe, where they're both uh, they're strong, very strong in North America. They're establishing a new fund in Canada, um, which which hopefully will become live in the next 45 days, uh, a first for Harrison Street. Their European funds continue to grow, um, and so uh, we're very excited about, uh, about the prospects for Harrison Street. It's a dynamic management team that have been around a long time, own a significant equity stake in the business, and are driven to... Uh, significantly improve the business in the coming years and, and they've done that with things like infrastructure, social infrastructure uh, open-ended funds among other things so um, yes, we're, we're very excited about Harrison Street
7: Alright, thanks for your answers
1: Thank you Our next question comes from the line of Daryl Young with TD Security The line is open Good
6: Morning guys Um, First question is on the the margins in in the Americas. Um, I know, Christian, you mentioned that there would be a return of a a lot of costs cut during the pandemic, but I think even pre-pandemic, you were on a path to sort of um, integrating that platform and and taking costs out. So just wondering if you wanted to to kind of share some of the opportunities there or if if today's run rate or if today's margins are are a run rate. Yeah, I
4: mean – to, to, relative to historical um, uh, historical uh, numbers, um, you know our margins, uh, you know Q2 uh, this year uh, are, are are meaningfully um, higher, uh, absent that pandemic, they're meaningfully higher as well, um, and, and that is because of the uh, the service mix we now have with uh, the two acquisitions that were completed uh, last year, um, Collier's Mortgage and Cliers Engineering. Um, which are both, uh, you know, accretive uh, to the Americas margin. Um, but uh, in, in terms of the um, opportunity, uh, it has been um, in the U.S. Uh, where we have uh, focused over the last uh, number of years uh, to to um, I- you know enhance the efficiency um, of, of that uh, of that operation. Uh, we have uh, integrated. Um, Businesses uh, that we've acquired, and, and we've been very active acquirers in, in the U.S. Um, for, for many, many years. Uh, and, and every year we, we, we acquire, you know, two, three, or four um, uh, meaningfully sized uh, businesses there within our transactional business and, and property management uh, businesses. And, and those businesses are, are then uh, integrated over time, uh, and we are able to. Um, uh, become uh, more efficient and, and reduce uh, costs uh, through that process. We also um, you know have over the last uh, couple of years um, in particular, um, you know taken steps to become uh, more productive in terms of our um, flow through from uh, transactional uh, revenue. Um, and uh, you know those steps uh, are starting to bear fruit. Um, here uh, and, and evidently so uh, in in the second quarter and in the year-to-date result uh, for 2021 uh, i think we're on a, on a good path um, and our, our, our u.s business um, you know the uh, the, the transactional uh, business uh, in particular um, is on a path to um, continue that margin enhancement um, over the next uh you know two or three years uh, and and we hope to uh, to get that business you know up to a you know, a twelve percent uh margin uh relative to you know what we've seen historically in, in the um you know the eight percent range. So it's uh it's a pretty meaningful lift uh on a on a pretty large uh, part of our business uh which will uh, impact uh our consolidated margin uh positively uh, over time.
6: Okay, great. And then on the um on the sales transaction side just curious what what your views are on on how much of the activity is is a pull forward of of future deals uh, just in the low rate environment and and maybe what your kind of macro or longer term outlook is for for transaction activity levels
4: yeah i mean in terms of uh, pull forward of of transactions and, and and timing i mean i guess there there is a uh, a sense out there that there is some pent-up demand uh, for activity, um, but uh, I think uh, you know markets um, are are generally um, you know they're they're strong. Um, that there is confidence out there. Uh, borrowing uh, costs are 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 low. Um, credits available, um, and uh, I think. Uh, uh, businesses and, 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 and investors have, uh, you know, the, uh, the desire to transact. So so I don't think it's it's as much a, an issue of uh, pull forward or pent-up demand. It's just, uh, uh, you know, activity um, is strong for the factors that I mentioned.
6: Okay, great. And then just one last one. We've seen some... Uh, big announcements, obviously, in the funding environment in the U.S. for for, uh, infrastructure spending. And just curious what the the pipeline of work is looking like for for your engineering uh, services business, uh, particularly in the U.S.
2: The pipelines pipelines for engineering and project management um, are are good, Um, I would say. Uh, of course, better than last year, but they have not yet translated into the boom of infrastructure spend that we were hoping for. I think there's a lot of talk in Congress now about approving a plan. We're excited about them doing that because that will translate. Uh, but we've got one of the great things about that business is it's got long duration contracts. And so we've got full pipelines. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, one of the constraining factors is people. And so, um, you know, we are, um, I think we're in a great spot, uh, but the, um, the, uh, we're going to need great people to, to execute, and uh, so we'll wait and see how we do. But I think the, the trends, the tailwind is positive, and uh, we hope to capitalize well as soon as it starts to roll
6: out. Yeah, great. That, that's all from me. Great quarter, guys. Thanks. Thank
1: Thanks, Darrell. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open.
8: Thank you, and good morning. Hey, Matt. Uh, Jay, in your press release, your comments touched on developing Collier's Engineering and Collier's Mortgage as growth engines for the future. Can you talk about what's changed since you acquired these businesses, and you know perhaps some thoughts on your competitors following you into the engineering space as well?
2: Um, you know it's a great question. First of all, you know a lot has changed. one of One of the big things is we've rebranded it as Colliers Engineering and Design as an example. Um, and we started with what we thought was a great platform. Uh, We started with a platform of great professionals that did not want to be acquired by a firm and be owned 100% by a firm. They wanted to be partners in the operating business, which is sort of the philosophy of Collier's. And since that time, they've added, um, uh, in acquisitions, they've probably added uh, 30 or 40% of their revenue. They've got an active pipeline of acquisitions. Their philosophy is different than the others in the sense that they want to be partners and they want a perpetual partnership between colliers and the people that make it happen every day. Something that we're we're quite uh, used to. And so um, you know, I think um, I think we are uh, feeling uh, bullish. Margins have gone up considerably. Uh, in in that business, um, and and part of that has been some of the disciplines that we brought to the table uh, from a Collier standpoint. So, um, you know, the ultimate work is not dissimilar to the work done by the enge- the other engineering firms. We don't need to be the biggest as Colliers. We need to be very good at what we do and we need to leverage the relationships that we have around uh, our clients, which is something that I think we bring to the table that some of the others don't. So those are a couple those are a couple of the differentiators. Uh, but I think at the end of the day in a professional services business, it's all about having uh, shared ownership between a strong, capital partner that understands how to grow and exceptional professionals that understand how to execute and manage their businesses effectively. And I'm very, um, uh, very um, uh, happy to see how Collier's engineering and design operates its business both before we acquired it and uh, its margins would indicate that it's doing even better after. Um. Great color. And maybe
8: continuing on with your comments on the acquisitions, Uh, Collier's is incredibly well-positioned with, you know, debt debit uh, under one turn and more than a billion dollars of liquidity. If we take a medium to longer term view, how should we be thinking about leverage? Would it be fair to say the business can be managed with sustainably higher leverage, perhaps somewhere in the two to three turn range, instead of the one to two turn range that we've seen historically, given the evolution into a more diversified business?
4: Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. Um, at, at the present time, um, you know, I think we are comfortable in the one to two times leverage uh, range. Um, we would be also be comfortable to take leverage to a higher um, level uh, temporarily. Um, you know, as, as we um, think about a, potentially a larger acquisition down down the line, um, and having a path then post acquisition to delever, uh, you know, back into that one to two times uh, range. Um, so, so that's the way we're thinking about it right now. Um, in terms of your your question, um, there is no question that as we execute on our plan and as we increase our recurring revenue base and EBITDA base. Um, into something like around the two thirds of our EBITDA being recurring, uh, we could sustain a higher leverage, um, uh, a higher level of leverage um, at that, uh, you know, with that type of a business mix. That's uh, certainly something that uh, that we're thinking about um, uh, for the future.
8: In terms of that, you
4: know, the the future... thing.
2: Would... Go ahead, Jack. The only thing I, yeah, the only thing I would add to that, Matt, is, and and you'll understand this. There's a management. There's a management piece of this, and a differentiation piece of this that's important. Um, you know, in private equity, uh, uh, I don't know how people do this. Uh, it's a different life, but they're they're happy to take leverage up to five and six times, and and worry about leverage every single day. When you do that. You can't invest in the future. You can't invest in technology. You can't invest in people. And all everybody talks about every single day is cash flow. Did we get the cash flow? Did we pay the bank down to the whatever levels? That's never been our way. Our way has been to build long-term shareholder value. And when you have a partnership structure in a couple of our platforms as we do that has been the way of our partners and 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 our partners are all about creating long term value long term sustainable value and as we move leverage ratios up and Christians right The more recurring revenue, and I I believe we have a lot of recurring revenue, and I believe in a private equity environment, somebody could easily leverage our business to six or seven times leverage and and be just fine. I, I wouldn't be managing a business at that level, personally, but I think you could do it. It's just not been our way, and I think our way has been successful over many years, and it would be a shock, I think, to our leadership teams if we started to bring our leverage up to private equity-type levels. Um, and it you know, may, may create some near-term growth, but would also create um, you know, not long-term sustainable growth, which is what we're trying to accomplish.
8: Maybe just a couple of housekeeping questions here before I turn the call back. Um, in terms of your guidance for the second half of the year, uh, I know Q2 is incredibly strong, but would your outlook for Q3 and Q4 have changed at all vis-a-vis
4: Q1? Uh, not, not meaningfully, Matt. Um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty similar. Yeah, and, and and that's that's really embodied in the uh, in the way we, we've updated the outlook
8: and in terms of your margin your guidance would imply a level of around 13.5% for 2021 do you see this as sustainable or perhaps even growing as we head into 2022
4: yeah no i think it's uh, it's absolutely sustainable um and uh you know i get we'll see where we go to in 2022 but uh our 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 goal would be to you know sustain it or increase it over time okay.
8: Appreciate the caller, gentlemen. I'll turn the
4: call back. Thank
8: you.
1: Thanks. Thank you. I'm not showing any further questions in the queue. I would now like to turn the call back over to management for closing remarks.
2: Okay. Thank you very much, operator, and thank you, everybody, for participating in this second quarter conference call. We look forward to uh, uh, our third quarter conference call, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, with – Fingers crossed, hopefully we'll have positive results there as well. Have a good day.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.